Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Today we're going to be looking at the last words that Owen Gann spoke. Owen went home to be with our Lord last year uh, in October. And uh, bless his heart, he's, he's singing and dancing with Jesus. And his passing... Uh, led to some very interesting conversations. So when I was looking at material and trying to figure out, okay, what would I want to share today? Um, There's a two-pronged approach, and one of it is about what were the last things that Owen was saying? The 23rd Psalm. I learned the 23rd Psalms when I was a a young child in Sunday school. And I have a Bible um, that's amplified, and I I like to kind of read that to kind of get a little bit more juice to every single verse. But I also have the Bible that um, Larry Huck Ministries put out uh, that is with Jewish understanding. So we're going to be looking at both of those today. First of all, I'm going to read the 23rd Psalm in my Amplified. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, shield me, and I shall not lack. Now, I'm going to go verse by verse with both translations. So the, uh, the Bible that uh, Larry Huck Ministries put out, it says, Yahweh is my God. I am never in need. Now, let's take a look here. <laughs> we know that God always compared uh, his children to sheep. And they really understood that in biblical times because they were shepherds. So they knew what sheep behaved like. They knew what uh, job a shepherd had. So I was trying to think, well, Lord, if you were going to ha- overlay this in our society today, who would you compare someone to? And I thought, huh, maybe a coach. A coach is somebody who has the best interest or should for their players who coaches them on how to get a better performance for every single game that they play, who talks to them not only about the rules of the game, but also the rules of life. And so although we look at the Lord is my shepherd, he really is our coach as well. He's our boss. He's our God. (laughs) So we have to have the mentality that he is in charge of my life not just a shepherd out on a hill with some baby lambs. He's God. Second verse says, he makes me lie down in fresh, tender green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. What is the Jewish concept? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside peaceful waters. Now here's where it gets interesting because it gets different. Hi, honey. (laughs) It says he refreshes and restores my life, myself. That's the third verse. But listen to the Jewish concept. He renews my soul. He renews my soul. So then I started chewing on all this, and it's like, okay, what does it mean to be a Christian? At some point in our life, we realize that we are not in control. We realize that there's a pathway that I should be following. And even though my emotions or my education or something else might be pulling me in another direction, I have to submit to the authority that God has laid out in his word. My soul comes to life. My spirit comes to life when I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. 
Up until that time, it's dead. Now, I'm functioning. I'm living. I'm thinking. I'm doing all the things that everybody in the world is doing. But my spirit man is not alive in God. So what this verse is saying is that he really does restore our life. You've heard Pastor Larry teach that um, the Jewish concept is that our soul travels to heaven, and then when we wake up, it comes back the next day. I'm not sure whether that's um, a technical term (laughs) or a biblical term, but I do understand the concept that every morning when I wake up, I have the opportunity uh, to speak what I believe, which is why Pastor says it's so important for us to say Hear, O Israel, and I always add, and the world. The Lord is my God. The Lord, he is one. And I always add the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because I want to make sure they understand I'm not talking about a God in some other area. Hear, O Israel, and the world. The Lord is my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's number one. And I say number one because I understand that the Godhead is kind of a mystery, but he's number one in my life. So I was asking God, it's like, okay, if my soul is being restored, if my soul is being renewed in that 23rd Psalm, what is this Godhead thing? And he reminded me, I have many names. I'm Mrs. Don Cole. I'm Nancy Cole. I'm Nana. I'm mom. I don't have any sisters or brothers, but I have some cousins. So those are all names that I am known by. And those names talk about what role... They see me as, and what role I'm to play. Oh, pretty girl. Yeah, honey says, don't forget pretty girl. Yeah, that's that's true. (laughs) So I can understand the Godhead and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, because those are three avenues by which God shows who he is to us. And so that makes sense to me. I can do that. When I was growing up in Sunday school, they used to use the example of the apple. Maybe some of you have heard that. There's the skin of the apple and then the fruit of the apple and then the inside, the core, and the seed. But they're all part of the apple. Well, that made sense to me too. But as I look at this now, it makes more sense to the different names that I am and what that means with how they see me and the role that I play in their life. I want to make sure that God knows he's number one. I want to make sure that he knows. I want to listen to him and I want to obey him. I don't want any confusion in my mind or in his mind. I'm sold out. I'm his. I belong to him. Well, let's keep going here on the 23rd Psalm. Uh, Okay, he leads me in the path of righteousness and right standing with him. Not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Now, that's the Amplified. I can't earn what God has for me. When I say my my prayer in the morning, I'm putting on the armor of God. And when I get to the breastplate of righteousness, I always thank Jesus for the heavy price that he paid for me to be seen as righteous. I, I would have a lightning bolt hit me in my early 20s and I would be toast. So I'm so thankful that there is that grace. In the Jewish concept, it says, he guides me along the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. Now, that's a little bit twist on it. For the sake of his name, it means that God is going to show me when to step in and when to step out, when to say something and when to keep my mouth shut for his sake. Because God knows every person that I have an interaction with, God knows what they need to hear. And it's not my job to just pull out a track or to throw up on them about what they're doing wrong. It's my job to stay connected to my heavenly father so that I don't mess it up. 
I was talking before we started the class uh, with Laura, and it's like so often we have the idea that we need to argue with people about what we believe. We feel like we need to show them how wrong they are. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't like being told I'm wrong. So if I'm going to witness to someone or share the Lord with someone, I need to do it in such a way that they feel included, not condemned. Laura and I were also talking about how maybe it's our school system. We go to school and we take tests and the answer is either right or wrong. And so we figure that we are right, we are saved, we've seen miracles in our family, so we want to make sure everybody around us knows that they are wrong. (laughs) And that's not what God meant at all. You know, if you think about a shepherd with a bunch of little sheep, not all those sheep behave the same way. The story is told in the New Testament about the sheep that wanders away and how the shepherd has to go and get him. So not all of us process information the same way or make decisions the same way or can even be brought to a saving knowledge of the Lord the same way. I was shocked to discover that most Jews Jews do not believe in evangelizing until I really studied with Pastor Larry about their lifestyle. A Jewish person is not going to try to convince you that what they believe is right. What they're going to do is live a life of integrity, live a life that's joyful, live a life that's family-oriented to the point where I am curious to know, what do you believe? There was a business in Oregon um, they own very large nursery. And Oregon is a nice place. It has nice, you know, greenery, and you buy flowers every single spring. That's not me. <laughs> you buy flowers every single spring. And um, a nursery is usually open on weekends, right? Because that's when most people are off work and, and buy plants. And these people were Seventh-day Adventists. And so they were closed on Saturday. Now, at the time I was working at the bank, and we happened to have several large loans after this company, and when I started looking at their documentation and realized that a nursery was closed on Saturday, internally I'm going, oh my gosh, we better call these loans in right now because they're not going to make it. But these people made a stand for God. They said, our business model is going to be in line with our values, and we will be closed on Saturday. Now, don't you know, they had the best and most prosperous nursery business in the state around around Portland, Oregon area. Not because they were doing something that God wanted them to do, but they were being righteous and saying, this is how we are going to operate because these are our values. And God honored that. So often people write to... um, Pastor Larry and I get those emails, and they say, why in the world are you meeting on Sunday? You know the Sabbath is Saturday. And I love answering those questions because I always say, oh, absolutely. Did you know that we have Friday off so that we can get ready for Shabbat? And did you know that we have Saturday off so that we can be with our families and celebrate Shabbat? Sunday is a work day. And then for the first time, they kind of switch over, and it's like, huh, Okay, because you see in, hi, sweetheart, in a Jewish community, if we had, um, once we reach 100 families, then it's the community's responsibility to open up a school and a synagogue. 100 families, a school and a synagogue. So the synagogue is going to be teaching the values of the Bible, 
The synagogue is going to be teaching how to do marriage, how to do life, how to take care of animals, all the things that are important to our Heavenly Father. And then the school is going to educate them on reading and writing and arithmetic. I think we would be better off (laughs) if we had communities, if we really had um, a local farm. And that's why I think uh, little farmer's markets are so good, because that's that's locally grown produce that, that we can eat. But if you were growing produce and you were going to sell it to your neighbor, you might be a little bit more careful of how you package that fruit. But if you're a conglomerate and your fruit's going to go to the other side of the world, it's kind of like, I'm going to make this as heavy as possible. Now you think, oh, that's a nasty person. Well, no, let me explain to you something. Has anybody in this room ever picked strawberries? Okay, honey and I picked strawberries. Maybe it's an Oregon thing. I don't know, Don. And strawberries, when you are going to work in the fields, they give you all these little cartons, and you put them in a flat, and they weigh them. Now, I'm not a horrible person, but I used to put dirt in the bottom of those cartons so that it would weigh more, so I didn't have to pick so many strawberries in order to have my quota, because I had to earn a quota in order to go pick strawberries again the next day. I'm not a bad person, but that's what I did. But I have to tell you, if I were going to take that strawberry container and give it to my neighbors, there would not be a single dirt clod in it. Do you see how this works? Do you see how God's plan was for us to take community really, really seriously? Well, let me get back to the 23rd Psalms. And for those of you that wandered in late, we're looking at the 23rd Psalms because that happens to be the last thing that Owen Gann said before he transitioned over into heaven. What a sweet thing uh, Robert Griffin was with Owen just right before he passed. And what a sweet thing to have that memory that he is saying (laughs) the 23rd Psalm as he goes home to heaven. Well, we'll go in here. Yes, though I walk through the deep and a sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me, your rod to protect me and your staff to guide me. They comfort me. Well, now the rod and the staff represent protection and then guidance. And we can depend on God for that, to protect us and to guide us. I can only imagine what Owen was visualizing as he was saying that 23rd Psalms. I don't know if any of you have ever been with anyone when they transitioned from this world into heaven. But do you realize that as a believer, once your spirit came alive with God, you were already in eternal life? It's not like you're going to end up somewhere and be a different person. You're going to take you with you to heaven. (laughs) So everything from the time that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior forward, that's your life. That's what you're going to take home to heaven. Now, we're not going to remember the bad things. I do believe there's going to be a time where I'm going to have to look at everything that I did and go, oh, my gosh, thank you for the saving blood of Jesus. I would have been hit by lightning bolt. But I do believe that we have what we remember and what we have done inside of us. I think the joy, and when Pastor Larry teaches about crowns, is that there will be people who are in heaven because of a witness that we had, not necessarily a track that we left, or we had them say a sinner's prayer, but because we were that kind neighbor. We were the one that helped them. We were the one that when the mother was traveling with three little babies, (laughs) we said, can I carry something for you? Can I help you? You see, again, in the Jewish lifestyle concept, that is what they are called to do. 
not judge that mother, but to come alongside her and help her. Can you imagine if all of a sudden you discovered that the dry cleaner that you used while you were growing up is in heaven because of all the sweet little things that you said and did, and they watched the relationship that you had with your brothers and sisters or your parents, and they got curious about how can they be like that? And they went from one step to another step to another step and have a saving grace of Jesus Christ. The other issue with the Jewish concept of life and not converting somebody is that as we have become acquainted with some of the Jewish community here in Dallas, Texas, um, most of us recognize the the name of the organization B'nai Zion. And um, it was a hospital over in Israel. Um, We provided uh, an emergency room. And, you know, when you're sending money over uh, someplace for a project, you, you know, believe that it's the right project because God has said it and you believe they're using the money for the right things. But one of the Israel trips that we took, uh, Pastor Larry and Tiz, we actually toured the hospital and there was an emergency room there that was dedicated to New Beginnings Church and Larry and Tiz Huck. And in it, it had all kinds of special equipment for the mortars and the bombs that were being sent over right there on that B'nai Zion hospital. Well, they had an organization statewide that had events where you raised money, you know, the, the normal type thing. But we met a group of people who were the kindest and the nicest. <laughs> and I was like, huh, we could learn something from this group. Now, I'm not saying every Jewish person operates this way, but I am saying that the integrity that these people had was really something. There was one man, um, he had already been president of B'nai Zion, and so he was a past president. His name was Larry. It's kind of fun because it's like Pastor Larry. Um, And he got to know Don and I, and we talked about our grandson, Connor. And every single time that he would come to an event here at New Beginnings, he would seek Don out and say, how's Connor doing? And first of all, I'm thinking, you remembered my grandson? You remembered what we were praying for Connor? And you were concerned enough? Not, and I, I'm, I hear my heart on this, not the head bobbing like, well, how's that grandson of yours, Connor, doing? Not that, which is so often the case in the Christian community, bless our hearts, but a real, genuine, sincere prayer. When Pastor Tiz was diagnosed, And when Lion was diagnosed, the Jewish community sent prayers to be put in the Western Wall. That is the highest honor for them to show their support, to pray to God. And they did that because we were Gentiles, in their perspective, who were doing kind acts for the Jewish people and the Jewish nation. And they felt responsible to reach back and pray for us to walk with us, to be nice to us. There's a lot more to this Jewish stuff than just looking at somebody with payouts or that they wrap something around their head or their hands. There's a lifestyle that I think God is saying to each one of us, pay attention to this. Try as hard as you can. Like like Laura said, she said, I'm a half glass full person, (laughs) never half empty. Try to find the goodness. As I look into some of the websites that Pastor Larry studies, and one of the teachings for this week was about looking for the spark of goodness in everyone. Find the the good news for anything that happens around us. When I was in corporate America, um, 
one of the buy lines that we had on, on all, of our, <clears throat> all of our merchandise was expect the best. And I thought that was just a clever marketing statement. Well, it's actually Jewish. <laughs> In the Jewish culture, and again, I'm speaking of the biblical Jewish culture, it was my job to find the best in every person and every situation. Even if something looked odd. They tell the story of a rabbi who was traveling through the land, and he ran across a woman who was in trouble, and he realized that it's his responsibility to rescue those people that are imprisoned. And so he got the woman, took her away from the bad situation, brought her home, had her stay there, And in the morning, because he was a rabbi and a teacher, all of his pupils were there uh, from the age of 12 and 13 after their bar mitzvah on up to study with the rabbi. And they saw the rabbi walk out of his house with that woman. And the rabbi thought, this is a good teaching opportunity. And so he went to them and he said, what did you see this morning? And what did you think about it? And as I was reading the story, I was thinking, what would I have said? Well, Rabbi, I saw that young chick come out of your house, and I'd like to know what happened. But the, the, the students of that rabbi said, we assumed, Rabbi, that you helped that woman and brought her home to safety, and that now she's traveling back to her family. And the rabbi said, that is the lesson, to always think the best, to always see the best. That's our job to repair a broken world. The world naturally gravitates to what's wrong. And when Laura and I were talking this morning, it's like some people use their sense of humor to jab, to dig, to say something that's unkind. And I can't judge them, but what I can do is not respond to them. What I can do is change the topic. What I can do is say, Father, help them. Whatever is going on inside of them, whatever wound they're carrying, heal that wound. And who knows that after a hundred prayers from believers who understand what our job is to repair a broken world by seeing the best, that wound might be healed. We never know which peace brings someone to a saving knowledge of God. We never know what part we have played in someone coming back to the Lord. The Jewish culture also has the mindset that um, there'll be a lot more people in heaven than what the Christian community thinks. <laughs> because when, um, and you can go back and read history, uh, the concept of hell really didn't come to light until the church moved from Israel to Rome. That's when they started creating all of the artwork and, and talking about demons and gargoyles and all those things and the concept of hell. You don't find too much of it. In fact, Jesus didn't talk much about hell. He talked about how to get heaven down here on earth, how for us to connect to heaven, how for us to walk in the power that he paid the price for. And I don't know whether it's a Western mentality or or what, but somehow I feel like I find it easier to find out what's wrong than to see the right in something. So I have to fight that natural tendency in myself. Now, I'm no longer dealing with alcohol, drugs, sex. That's way, 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 way past. But I am dealing with my mind. I am dealing with, don't be judgmental. Don't respond to that. Don't roll your eyes and wobble your head. Walk in love and grace 
so that even when something that's sour in the world, when it hits the atmosphere around me, it disappears. Walk in such a way that there literally is like pig pen in the, in the cartoons with all the dust and dirt around him. Walk in such a way that there's a cloud of acceptance and love and power and grace to where even when you walk into a room, someone will go, what, what, something just changed. We have that power. We have that authority. And we have that responsibility to represent God in such a way that we're not jerks. When, again, when I was in corporate, new hires would always see what was wrong in the branches. And they would always believe it was their responsibility to come to me and tell me what was going on wrong in the branches. And I would listen to them and say, okay, uh, next time I come and visit the branch, can you bring me a solution to that? And train them to be solution-oriented rather than critique-oriented. So those were things that I learned in leadership and corporate that I can apply here in the church. I can say, that's an interesting concept. I'd never considered that. I've always considered and then explained my concept, not like, what the heck are you thinking? That's crazy. (laughs) I can accept somebody's opinion and just say, I'd never considered that, never even thought of that. I've always looked at it and then helped move them. Do you know, if I start arguing with you and you start defending your position, I'm really causing you to dig in deeper into your belief system and how sad to get home to heaven and realize that when I argued with someone, I delayed their salvation by a couple of years because I had them entrenched even deeper into their belief system that was wrong. Well, let me finish the 23rd Psalm so we can get get Owen home in heaven here. And I'm going to continue in the the Jewish Bible. He guides, guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk the dark valley of death, because you are with me, I fear no harm. Your rod and your staff give me courage. While you prepare a banquet for me, while my enemies watch, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Certainly goodness and mercy will stay close to me all the days of my life. And I will remain in Yahweh's house for days without end. I can just see Owen's face as he was finishing up that last verse of the 23rd Psalms, knowing that he was transitioning. My own daddy, when he was passing, he did not see his family because oftentimes people see their family that's gone on to heaven before them. And I I said, you know, have your parents come to visit you? Are your brothers or your sisters? And he said, no. He said, but my dogs have. Because daddy always raised animals when he was growing up. Uh, They lived on a farm. So we always had dogs. So his dogs came. And he knew that he was going home to heaven (laughs) with dogs. So since that time, I've never worried about animals. I figured God's going to take care of all the animals. But when someone transitions, as, as like pastor, when he tells the story of his Aunt Helen, who passed, you know, there, there he comes. Yes, I'm ready. That passing is the sweetest, most tender time that you can imagine. We recently had a couple over for dinner, someone that's in uh, Don's men's group, and uh, the wife works in the emergency room, and somehow we got started around the conversations of dying. And she was sharing so many of the miracles that she saw, because she's a believer, that she saw as people were transitioning. 
And I brought up a memory. Uh, there was a man in, in Oregon that we kind of considered him Don's adopted dad. There was nothing legal, but there was a, there was a bond there. And um, he was not a professing believer. And when he was passing to heaven, there was just this turmoil and, and trauma. And you could, you could almost, pal- it was palpable in, in the room. And um, we spent the night with him. And in the morning, he'd passed. And there was a male nurse that came in to talk to Don. And he said, was that your dad? And Don said, yes. And he said, I just want to let you know. And he said, I, I don't know, you know, where you are with the Lord. Maybe he just said with God. He said, but your dad, there was a time when there was a peace that came over him. And Don said, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. And he said, I believe that your dad had a conversation and that he accepted the Lord before he went home to heaven. That was so comforting to Don and I because he never said a sinner's prayer. <laughs> he never went to church. But that male nurse who watched a lot of people pass realized that there was a time, even though this side of heaven, there was no f- visible fruit, but there was a time when that man could make a decision for the Lord and could peacefully pass. Well, my challenge to you today is not just to say the 23rd Psalm in rote and, and remember Owen fondly. And by the way, the service for him is going to be this Thursday uh, here at New Beginnings Church at 2 o'clock. And it will be streamed live on the church's website. The Facebook streaming that we do, if they hear music being played that they think we don't have the rights to, then they shut us down. And, of course, there's going to be music being played at Owen's uh, memorial service that we don't own the rights to. So we will have it uh, live on our church website, and you can join us for that. When Owen went home to heaven, there were a lot of people that he probably had no idea that he had touched their lives. He's known for having coffee in the lobby before and after church, for inviting men to go to breakfast with him. He was probably one of the quietest people uh, Don and I have ever known. He didn't talk much, but he was a man of faith, and he'd been with Pastor and Tiz long enough that most every word that came out of his mouth was faith-filled. As we remember Owen, what I'm going to remember is the good. I'm going to remember all the things from the Portland church all the way here in Texas that he did to help further the gospel, to help bring people to the Lord. I'm not sure that they're going to say it at the memorial service, but Owen led our Jen Huck, her daddy, to the Lord. That says a lot about a man and his life, a man who loved God, and once he realized who God was and what God wanted to do in his life, that he wanted other people to know him too. And he didn't preach. And he didn't pass out tracts, but he invited people in for a cup of coffee or to meet him for breakfast. And by living a lifestyle of integrity and righteousness, he brought them to the Lord. Well, this week, our assignment is to see what you can do to find the good in every situation. As I counsel with people who call here at the church, and sometimes the circumstances that they're talking about, I think, oh, my gosh, how could you even survive that? And yet, after we are through that season and we look back, we see that truly all things work together for good. 
We're all believers in this room. You're a believer if you're listening to this podcast. You can count on the Lord taking care of you. But it's our job to find that spark of goodness. It's our job to find that one piece that we can say, that's a good piece. It's our job, like Pastor and Tiz's new book, Miracles by the Moment. It's our job to find that spark, that miracle, moment by moment, so that we can make sure we're representing our Heavenly Father in a good way. Well, every time that I hear the 23rd Psalm read or talked about, I'm going to remember Owen. And let it be that when we're ready to pass, we can be saying the Lord's Prayer as we transition from earth to heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have given us so many books with such wisdom. And Father, we thank you that you have allowed us to have eyes to see what your concept was for families and for communities. Thank you that you're showing us, Father, that we need to retool our minds. We need to retool our emotions so that we can have that positive bent in everything that we say and everything that we do. Bless each person who's in the classroom this morning and everyone who's going to be listening. And thank you, Father, that you have such grace for us that we can run to you, confess our sins, and they are gone. They are forgiven All the iniquities that were in our bloodline are severed, and we are free. Thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you bring us together. And may we leave here today with just a little bit better understanding of our responsibility to be that spark of light, that joyful one in the world around us. And all God's people said, amen.